Thoughtful silence came over the kitchen, and pain crept in with it. No one won the Booker T. Washington versus W.E.B. Du Bois argument in that moment. Truth itself won. Truth that neither stolen innocence nor property outweighed stolen esteem for one's own capabilities. That was the true travesty of slavery, and furthermore, the true triumph of Greenwood. We deserve to be here, though, right? Isaiah asked Miss Ferris, as if she must have the answer. Angel waited for her response as well, wondering the same. Miss Ferris grabbed Angel's hand with her right and Isaiah's with her left, clasping them into one clump of three. Every one of our descendants deserves a place like Greenwood. It's up to us to make that happen. This is my Black Book Journal. Welcome to this episode of My Black Book Journal, powered by Act Justly Love Mercy. Here at My Black Book Journal, we seek to explore black stories through book reviews and interviews to uncover lessons in life, love, and leadership, you all. And we're going to do that through a gospel-centered approach that is unapologetically black and unashamedly Christian. And I'm super excited to bring today's show to you. But first, I wanted to get into a quick listener review. So this review comes from Jeffrey one And Jeffrey one says, In the same way you didn't realize you needed fresh air until you went for a walk, I didn't realize how much I needed this until I heard it. Shout out to you, Jay Jeffrey, for that fantastic comment. I hope that you all keep enjoying it. Just a quick reminder before we jump into today's interview, which I know that you all will enjoy. um, I want to remind you to rate, subscribe and like us on whatever platform. I think the only platforms you can really rate and subscribe are um. Well, you can subscribe on on all of them, but to rate us, you have to do it on Apple Podcasts. But want to update you all that we are now on Google Podcasts, so you can listen to us there for all my Android users. Uh, so today we'll be talking to Randy Pink, the author of Angel of Greenwood, and I'm really excited. We're going to go ahead and jump into this episode. Y'all enjoy it. Stick around to the end. I'll talk a little bit more about a new project we're working on. Well, you all super excited for y'all to join us on this episode of My Black Book Journal. I have, listen, I, I recently met this person, um, but I am so glad that I was able to meet them. And I I was uh, ecstatic to read their book. Um, so I have with me author Randy Pink. How are you doing today? I'm good. <laughs> I am um, in a pandemic. But good. <laughs> right. We we we're, we're still in the pandemic and we're coming up. Can you believe it? we're coming up on a year? Like is it does it does it feel like it? It feels like it's been 10 years actually. It it feels like 10 years. Well, I kind of had a time clock in a baby born at the very beginning. So watching him kind of <laughs> makes me remember how long it's been. It's been a year cuz he's a year. <laughs> um, it's like when he started walking i was like this pandemic ain't over yet what you mean? <laughs> but yeah. your very own time capsule huh 
I have a time. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that because I was thinking about doing one, like a mm. pandemic time capsule and then in the future, opening that up. Um, mm. I think that would be a good thing to, for all of us to do because we don't realize how historic a moment we're in probably until a few years from now we'll realize that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that we're in this collective moment that we all kind of feel and have experienced. But it's something that researchers, writers, they'll be talking about, writing about, thinking about, you know, for years to come this time. So yeah, it has been it's been crazy. And but for you, it's been crazy and good. Right. So you just dropped your new book. I have it right here. You all is Angel of Greenwood. Um, tell us. So first, introduce yourself to the people, but then I want you to tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book, Angel of Greenwood. Mm. Um, well, um, let me see. There's a story for you. I I think it was 2018. Well, a few years ago, I I, I had my first child in 2017, a precious, dazzling little black child in Birmingham. Um, And as soon as she came into the world, something happened where I thought, okay, what are we going to do about school? What are we going to do about neighborhood? What are we going to do about community? And I think I realized just how divided we still are before I had a baby, but after it, it came together in ways I can't even explain. I just I got so frustrated, like, where can we find a community for our little Black family? And um, when I get frustrated about something and can't find a way out, I have a little folder on my laptop called My Therapy. Hmm. And I open a new Word document and I just write it out. Just frustrated, I write it out. No publication in mind, no um, essay, just I write my way through it. And what came out in that moment was I started to create a community for myself and I called it my Wakanda. Um, And it was just a black street with neighbors that I knew, um, black owned ice cream shop that I could say, hey, go on and, you know, Mr. So-and-so will will put it on my tab or, you know, like a community. And um what happened was I was sitting with a librarian talking about Girls Like Us, my second book. And she asked the dreaded question, what are you working on next? And I said, well, I'm not working on nothing. <laughs> I'm writing this little, you know, frustrated Wakanda moment. And she said, have you heard about Greenwood? And when I tell you, Danny, a pit in my stomach of shame that I had not heard about Greenwood, I was like, actually, no, can you tell me about it? And as she was explaining it, my stomach was a knot. I said, oh my God, I don't, how do I not know? Um, So I started researching it for weeks. I went down the rabbit hole as I do. And, um, and that Wakanda book turned into the shell of what the Greenwood book, Angel of Greenwood ultimately is. Wow. Wow, you all, and it's it's a very powerful book. So I can I can see that you kind of go into that a little bit at the end of the book. Um, and I was I was I was really moved by this book, and one reason is because it creates that 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 environment, right? The one that you feel like as a as a black person you know exists somewhere, 
right? Like this place where I know my neighbors, uh, my community is this beautiful black mixed income community, right? Where you have inventors and entrepreneurs and, but it's all owned, created by black people. And it feels like I don't have to worry about where I'm going to send my kid to school. You know, I don't have to choose between the property and the community and the diversity in that community. And then um, that school district or that school system. And is this going to prepare my child to do everything that they feel um, called or led to do in their lives? And that that's a, that's you know, that's real. Right. Like we talk a lot about this and we talk a lot about um issues and education and housing but these are these are real things that people think through so I'm so glad that that you're you're honest that you were thinking through those things so so going back to this book when you were when you were thinking about your Wakanda right mm-hmm. <laughs> when you were thinking about that what were you I know that you weren't intending for this to turn into a book and I know that you had that experience um what was it about Greenwood um, that you said, that's, that's it. Like that, like, that's my story. I have to, I have to tell my story and that story. Mm. Well, first of all, the shame of not knowing, I, I think at what's the show um, on HBO Watchmen. I think Watchmen Mm. came out a few months after I had that conversation with that librarian and um, I opened Twitter that morning. I hadn't watched the episode of Watchmen where I think the first scene was the massacre of Greenwood. And I opened Twitter and it was the, you know, I, I, I kind of had to wait a minute. I was like, is everybody talking about the thing that I'm researching? <laughs> How do y'all know about it now? And it was a superhero show on HBO. And the frustration of not knowing a Black person raised in this country, and I didn't know about a massacre such as this, um, that's, I have a saying that emotion is a driving force for, it's fuel for a creative person, especially for me. Um, Emotion fuels me to do the impossible. Um, but anger specifically is premium plus. Like it'll, it'll take me on a journey, um, through the weeds and I'll come out at the end holding a book, you know? Um, so I was mad that I didn't know about it personally. I was mad that this place does not exist, um, right now. It, it does. Um, let me rephrase that. I was mad that it could not continue to exist and evolve from when it from its inception um, in the early 1900s. Um, that that kept me going, kept me writing. Um, premium plus anger. You know, if you channel it, you can get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um you're so right. And you know what? I I think it was, you know, around the time that that Watchmen episode came out um, that they that was the first time that it had ever been portrayed on television before, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
Um, was that 2018, 2019? I think it was 2019. 2019. And I remember watching that episode and I, I went and did the same thing. I, I'd heard of it, but but mostly it was in, you know, barbershop talk. Right. You know, some some old school dude, you know, telling us like, y'all don't understand y'all history. We come from some we got to be entrepreneurs and start businesses and everything, you know, and and they started to talk about and this has been several years ago, you know, Black Wall Street and Tulsa, Oklahoma and Greenwood. And before that, I never heard of it. I never it was never in any textbook I've ever opened, never in any history book I'd ever opened. And I I read a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I actually, after I read your book, I, I posted on social media and several people came up to me afterwards and was like, I never even heard of this before. Yeah. I, I, I've never even heard of Black Wall Street or Tulsa, Oklahoma um, mm-hmm. and what happened in 1921. Yeah. So I think that's a failure yeah. on a lot of people's part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thankful that you fought through that anger to create something as beautiful as Angel of Greenwood. So let's talk a little bit about that because this book focuses on two main characters, focuses on uh, Greenwood in 1921, but it really focuses on uh, Angel and Isaiah. These, these two young people that are in high school, figuring out what, what all life has in store for them. Tell us a little bit about, about why you wanted to focus this, this massacre, t- tell the story of this massacre, but do it in a way that you're talking about this blooming love story between two people. Oh, that that's a great question. I think Greenwood is more than the massacre, you know? Um, and while Watchmen, as important as it was to open that episode with the bomb, you know, um, it did a service in putting the, the massacre on people's radar, but I needed my book to be more than that. Um, because I knew just like me, Angel of Greenwood might just be the first time people have heard about the massacre or Greenwood or any of it. And focusing too much on the massacre itself means I'm giving the people who burned it too much airtime. So I spent a good three-fourths of the book just living in Angel and Isaiah and their neighbors and the flowers blooming and, and the, the you know, a person down the street is obsessed with her juniper, you know, just like any neighborhood we want to be in. Um, the messy, you know, Neighbor on the other street, no, don't go down there. That girl talk your ear off, you know that. Um, and church, dear God, church. Oh yeah. Um, just the um the joy of of and, and then also Danny, how imp- how important and powerful it is to know that our people, black people enslaved for hundreds of years post reconstruction said you know what some some of those people had to be formerly enslaved because 1901ish was when the bricks were starting to be laid formerly enslaved directly descended from formerly enslaved people had the intestinal fortitude to build a community like they had every right to just lay down and 
you know, say, you know what, I'm tired. I can't do it. But nope, I'm going to buck up and we're going to build a place for ourselves and our children. We, I felt a responsibility to those people more than I felt a responsibility to the people who burned it to showcase them. Um, Cause you know, um, they, the joy of building your own community, that that's what I wanted to showcase. And like I said, that's where I want to live, you know, um, I want to live in a Greenwood. So I wanted to write it too. Yeah. So when you were writing it and when I was reading it, I felt so. Y'all, I'm going to be honest really quickly. Right. So I told my wife I wanted to get this book. So on Valentine's Day, she 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 bought me this book and she surprised me with it. And um, I read the book in one sitting because it was it was so good that I didn't want to put the book down. But it was but it was it was like watching like reading this beautiful story and you're reading about this love that's blossoming these two young people and their stories and their lives and the complexity of it all, this beautiful community that I'm envisioning in my mind that I want to be a part of. And I, I want it to thrive, but I'm also torn apart on the inside because I know what's going to happen. And so you write it in such a way that you lead us up to it, but I'm so glad that you do give 75% to telling the stories of these people who lived and loved and lost and hurt and sacrificed and served. Um, but then also you're very honest, right, about what was taken away and what was destroyed. And and I feel like you did it justice because you showed you showed what was destroyed and showing us all that they had. Right. Um and so talk a little bit about that. I mean, I know, I know you did, but talk a little bit about creating Greenwood or recreating Greenwood, because like you said, you, you thought about the place you want to live. But I felt sucked in. Like, I, I, I wonder, like, what is her process? Like, like, how does she create this, recreate this beautiful place only to have to, I mean, be honest about the outcome of it? Yeah. Um, that, that was hard. Um, that was hard because I almost felt like I I was, I gave myself the opportunity to enjoy writing the beginning. And I, like I said, uh, as an imagining in my mind that I was there putting my children there. That was joy, um, but it it was the hardest thing I've ever done writing that last twenty five percent because um, you know I know these kids are fiction I know their neighbors are fiction I know the juniper is fiction I know the trees that they climb up to get into each other's windows are, are made up in my mind I know that but I almost felt like I was burning it down you know, um, to write it. It was like, um, sometimes I had to just shut the laptop and give myself a minute to break down, um, in writing it. it, it, This might sound kind of strange, but I felt like I was betraying Greenwood and burning it down. Um, because it, it crossed my mind, Randy, you have an opportunity. You can just make it 
you know, magically not happen, but that wouldn't be the truth. Um, it was hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever written. That last 25%. I'm glad you said that. Um, because I thought about that. Like I thought, and I asked myself the question when I started, like, will she, will she allow this to blossom or will she be true to his, to the historical record? Um, and a part of me wished that it could have gone on into like this fictional world, right? Of, you know, the Calvary rode in and that Greenwood was saved and these people didn't, didn't suffer through this atrocity and, and, and this massacre. And yet that, that would not have been realistic to the, to the historical record. Um, so in Greenwood, I, and one thing I really loved about this book is, is it, it was so honest, right? It was it was honest that it was very beautiful. It was it that the, the young people in it, the stories were not of those who are just barely getting by, but of those who are finding themselves and are intelligent and exercising um, their gifts and 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 creative ways and finding themselves. But it was also a little messy too, right? So like that's how you knew it was real, right? So <laughs> so. It was beautiful, but you had your drama in there too. And and I, I love the fact that you included, you know, it, it kind of centered around um, or it played a, the, the church, right? Especially uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church mm-hmm. played a significant role. Tell me, tell me, I mean, because you were very thoughtful about that. You didn't just show like the beautiful parts. You also said, hey, you know, any real community is going to have some mess. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you were thinking and what you were hoping to convey in, in sharing not only the beauty, but also the messiness of life. Oh, man. I mean, it's all in it. it it's now what would have been fake is if Greenwood was uh, Mayberry and, you know, <laughs> like, no, I mean it's it's beautiful. It's black owned. The black dollar circulates through. I think a year. It, it the black dollar just kept circulating through green. Like it's so much beauty. But when you get a couple, a few thousand people in in a forty block radius, it's gonna be some messy folks in that group. And you know. I don't care where you live. There's gone, and I think the there's so much value in the messy person on the street too. You know, like or the couple messy people's on the people on the street because they are always watching. And if somebody who's not supposed to be there is there, they gonna run over and let you know, even if it's in their night nightgown. You know, the messy person has value too. Uh, it's all in the community that I dream of. We all dream of um, the church goodness. Uh, <laughs> one thing about Birmingham, that's where, you know, I live, you live. Um, people think who are not from here, think of Birmingham as the, I think the first thing they think is, you know, civil rights, dynamite hill, um, Birmingham jail, which is all correct. But what they don't know is the black church and the music of the black church is in the dirt. Like it's Mm. in the veins of our city. Um, so I know the black church. Um, I grew up in the black church and 
the beauty there, the power there. Um, I was the daughter of an organist who played for little black churches by the railroad tracks. And I sang in the choirs. And I had kind of a, ba- a, 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 you know, a seat, front row seat to all the mess. And Lord have mercy. Uh, it, it's there. But, um, but there's, there's value in even the, the messy, you know, church mother on the front row. Cause she makes the best, you know, pecan pie or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. I, you know, as a, as, like you said, in Birmingham, Alabama, growing up in Birmingham and being a preacher's kid myself, I've been in a many a black church <laughs> growing yeah. up. Yeah. Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday, and twice on Sunday, right? <laughs> Morning and evening service. <laughs> but you're, you're right. Like the, the black church has always been this lighthouse, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the oldest black institution in America. Um, when, when we couldn't own or have our own institutions, you know, we had our own churches that we can go to and be our full selves and express ourselves in a way that was just full of, um, of, of, of meaning and purpose. And we could be as honest and as raw as we wanted to be. And sometimes as messy as we wanted to be as yeah. well. Right. And I was so glad that you were real about that. So there's a, there's a scene in the book where, where I feel like for the first time, Isaiah sees angel um, and he, he sees her in the church, right. Free where she's free to be everything that, that she feels called to be that she's free to express her her curiosity and her power and her 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 uncertainty and the weight that she's carrying as a young lady um at that time in her life but the beauty of it is he sees her and tell us tell us why you chose that scene for angel to be seen by Isaiah um like what was what was going on in that where where that was the moment that he finally is like I see you. Mm. Well, it Angel is a dancer. Um Angel is a helper. She helps people. She's as close to perfect as any character written. Um but as a black woman who's walked through the shoes of a black girl and then a black teenager and then a black young adult and now a black mother. That can be a facade uh, because so much is expected from a black woman and a black girl. Um, We're leaned on by society in ways that I think they society doesn't realize that they're leaning on us. And uh, Angel is sort of the creative embodiment of what the nation wants a black girl to be. You know, she's, she's put, she's, if the baby next door needs to be held, she's going to knock on the door and say, Hey, I hold her. You go get a nap. If, if the person down the street needs a, a walk home or needs a leg up, she's going to do it. She's going to carry your groceries. She's going to do whatever needs to be done. Help her ailing father, help her mother. She's going to help whoever needs to be helped. But when she walks into the church, 
When she puts on her outfit, lets her braids loose and fly free. She's herself. Uh, she's, I think there's a, a line in the book where she, when she dances, she's loosening her chains. And um, everybody can't see, you know, that. A lot of people look at her when she's dancing and jerking her body and lifting herself and, and chin up in the air. Wow, she's weird. She's odd. What a what a strange, awkward girl. But I think Isaiah, he's hiding that he's the same. So he has like a special way to see. No, she's not weird. She's free now. Um, and um, he respects her for being able to stand in front of a crowd and show herself loosing herself of her chains. Um, and yeah, that's the moment he sort of falls hard. Um, I certainly grew up the awkward, strange, odd girl. And it's rare that anybody sees, you know, can kind of peel back and see that, oh, she's not she's she's freeing herself, you know, in my case with my words, but in her case with her body. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that up about the about freedom, um, because it's and and really reading it and her freedom and the more she steps into that freedom holistically. Right. And she integrates that not only into into when she dances, but in in everything she does, she becomes the express that freedom more and more other people become free which is why when you talk about her embodying kind of black women in america like that's the story like america anything good that we can say about america has been born on the shoulders of black women um the black church is often upheld by black women um, every, you know, they, they teach in our schools, they serve in our churches, they, they serve in our communities. Um, like it's nothing like a black mother in the church is not. And, and, and I feel like I'm so glad you, you showed that. Um, but you also in showing that, like you said, you also showed how unrealistic it is to be everything everybody needs at all times. Um, but often I feel like we put that pressure on black women. Can you can you explore that a little bit more? Well, um, just personally, while I was writing this book, um, I, like I said, I would just given birth. I had a baby in January, late January. Um, I um, the pandemic came. Daycares were closed. I had a two year old with me all the time and an infant at my chest, and a book to write and research and do justice. And I was at the time going through a divorce. So um, at there were times when I was cooking, cleaning. Uh, I, I felt like I had so many balls in the air. At one point, I vividly remember um, my my son, I think he had to be three months. He he had fallen asleep at my chest. My daughter had finally fallen asleep on my lap. And I was, I had my laptop within reach of my feet and I had to finish a thought with my toes. 
I, I had, and I, and my toes are not small and dainty. I like, I have enormous big toes and I had to like JKL, you know, and then slowly close the thing. So I don't lose it. You know, it, I, I, I would, you know, there are moments like that when you wish you just click a, you know, camera because the, you know, I, I don't even know how I could do such things. I was so tired, uh, body, mind, spirit tired. And I thought about the black mothers in in history. Um I thought about the black mothers uh expected to smile through it, expected to put on our wigs, makeup and you know just put put on a happy face girl and going on out in the world and do what you got to do. And that's all well and good, but the black mothers of Greenwood, I thought about what did they go through? You know, what the black mothers of Birmingham, of Africatown, of Mossville, of, um, you know, all these black neighborhoods, these freedmen towns that some of which were burned like Greenwood, some of which were, you know, slashed by highways and development complexes and replaced um, what did those black mothers do? You know, they lost their whole community in a minute. So the least I can do in those moments is write a book to honor them. Um, I think about um, Stacey Abram, too. Uh, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about her lately and not to be political, but just the sheer volume of work and adversity she went through to to make Georgia what it became in November, I mean, changed the course of the nation. And again, Twitter. When I went on Twitter the day after she was, the day after the election results had come in, and Twitter, of course, I mean, to her, I, I'm glad she was trending. Everyone was honoring her. But it it was there was kind of a joke going around. Okay, Stacy, now uh, can you start, can you do something about world peace? All right, Stacy, can you can you end the coronavirus? And it was joking, you know. People, I mean, it it was key key key, but it was also like I was kind of like, don't you think she deserves rest? Let let us sit sit down, you know. Somebody give her a prize and let her sit down and and kick her feet up. But it was still, let's put more on her plate, even jokingly. We are just expected to be the workhorses. Um, and it's, you know, we, we break too. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think that's, and that's important. Like, it's important that people hear that because the perception and the stories that have been told about black women aren't always told by black women, by black mothers. Um, and, and so there's a perception that black women are a certain way, but we need to hear from you all. Um, we need to hear your stories. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I, my, my hope is that in reading and people reading this book, 
they don't just read to find out more about Greenwood, which, which you should, right? You should know about Greenwood and and the massacre that took place in 1921, but you need to know about the humanity, right? This is more than just a saying when people say Black Lives Matter or when, when saying they deserve to be heard. This is truly, this is truly people's lives, and you showed us that. Like these aren't just the t- statistics, these aren't just stories, these are lives that were that was changed because of hate. Right? Yeah. Uh, how did you go ahead? No, go ahead. no, you go, you go. So how how were you processing through that hatred? Mm. Right? When you think about where you were, right, we're in the midst of a global pandemic that in the United States at this point has claimed over 500,000 lives. We are in the we were in the midst of this racial unrest, this uprising, because we refused to be quieted and silenced, you know, that that that, and, and we stood up for that. And we had allies that were willing to take the streets and stand up for that as well. But we as black people felt this immense pain that here we go again. Right. And we're feeling under the pressure of the the presidency at that time and everything that was coming out of the White House and the fact that black people are being disproportionately affected by COVID-19. They're disproportionately losing their jobs. You share where you were in your personal life. So how did you how did you find the strength to dive into such a painful history and and deal with that that hatred that destroyed this beautiful thing, these these beautiful people's lives, but also had to destroy your creation or your recreation of their stories. Oh yeah. Um I I drew strength from ancestors from mm. not only mine but you know ours. Um the what 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 our people went through and and I think when I was in high school, when I was in, you know, school, there was a there was a narrative going of just move on, forget it. It's, you know, what's done is done, the past is in the past. Let's not talk about it. Let's just go ahead. And we all kinda just, you know, accepted that. Like, all right, you're right. Let's let's just move forward. But no, no. Um, no. You know, <laughs> let's let's talk about this and how it affects us and our children. And mo- maybe even more importantly than that, let's honor the the hell that our ancestors went through t- so that we can write about it today and talk about it today. And you um, can be so wise to have a a podcast and discuss discussions about it today. No, let's not Mm. shut up. We've been quiet long enough. No, let's, um, you know, and you talk about the summer and everything that was going on then with, uh, George Floyd, God, again, Mm. black mamas, like him calling for his mama. Uh, Jesus. Like I can't even, um, it, it it was such a turmoil for me that I had to shut off media for a time and step away 
Um, and I felt guilty for that. I was like, I'm an author. I should have the perfect tweet or the perfect, you know, essay to contribute to Vanity Fair or whatever. But my activism is my books. Um, you, you know, your activism is something else. My mama's is her organ. Like she's not going to speak, but she's going to play. Um, you know, my, my three-year-old daughter's is her artwork or whatever she's coloring. Um, I think when we're going through hell now, um, we, we have to open our mouths or open our art or open our creativity and honor those who came before us and those who came after by opening our mouths. Yeah, I think that's that's a good word. We have to open our mouths. The time for silence is over. Um, and that's 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 one reason why we do this podcast is to ensure that those voices are heard, um, to ensure that current people who are writing about it are heard, but also to let people know that we have a legacy. Like you said, you said the ancestors, we have we have a history of people who have refused to be silent or to be quieted. So um Thank you so much for being willing to come on my Black Book Journal. I'm so excited to have you on. But before you go, so Marge, we are focusing on how reading brings us joy. So I want you to just tell us a couple books that you've read that have really brought you joy and why. Oh, there is a book, um, uh, Wings of Ebony. Uh, I'm, I'm mm. sort of a win. I'm sort of a read it and forget it. Like I, I read it and I feel it. And then I'm like, what was it? But it's called Wings of Ebony. Uh, it came out a few weeks ago. Oh, it's oh, it's pure joy. So much fun. There's also a novel in verse, Chlorine Sky. That came out in January. I think it's by, Ma- or, please forgive me if her, Mahogany Brown, I believe is her name. Beautiful beautiful i love white space on a page you know <laughs> like re- if you're gonna read chlorine sky buy the hard cover so you can experience the white space there's something common about white space on the page um but if you want to read about you know if you want to read about the black experience don't forget that there are you know firsthand accounts um, from the 1800s, um, one of the books I've been living, well, I lived in in 2020 was called so, um, was called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet mm-hmm. Jacobs. She wrote that book in the 1800s as an enslaved woman, you know, like firsthand account of a black woman and a black girl growing up enslaved. Uh, if that that should be on everybody's curriculum, by the way. Um, W.B. Du Bois, Souls of Black Folk, will speak to every young Black person. It should be on every single curriculum in this country. Um, up from slavery should be on every curriculum. Um, if Black people built the country, the least we could do is read their autobiographies in school. Um, but... Yeah, for joy, I'd say Wings of Ebony and Chlorine Sky. Hmm. Sounds good to me. Um, So before we go, before we go, I I wanted to mention this because I was checking out your website 
And I saw this project you were doing called Black Towns. Tell us a little bit more about that because I was really intrigued and I want you all to go check it out. But I want you just to give us a little bit about that. Oh, my gosh. Black Towns. And it's, I'm sorry, I'm sitting in the car hiding for my kids getting dark. But <laughs> um, the Black Town series, when I tell you, that was exhausting, but so much fun. Like, I recorded those videos. I tried to do 30. I think I wound up with like 15 or 16. But I wanted to, I'd done all of this research for Angel of Greenwood on Black towns built by Black hands and the ingenuity it took. Some people, fugitive enslaved people, just like dipped and said, no. And built towns. And then they went back in the night to bring other other family members and friends with them. Like to have, they, there were little pockets of Greenwoods. I think Fort Mose was started in, I want to say 15. I, I mean, it was a long time ago. I, I don't want to misquote it. But it was, it was before, like, it was so long ago that I thought it was a mistake. These black towns happened before people realized. Um, and a lot of those towns have been destroyed. Um, the majority of them have been not like Greenwood, but by um, urban revitalization or a highway or eminent domain or um, you know, some even more tragically than that, some still exist, which are, you know, miracles. But it was a passion project, little videos, three minute videos about these towns that I made during nap time. And um, I'm proud of that. I'm so proud of that. Thank you for mentioning it. No, thank you for doing it. You all. So make sure you check that out. So Randy, thank you so much for coming on this episode of My Black Book Journal. Um, tell the people where they can follow you, find out more about your work, as well as where they can pick up a copy of Angel of Greenwood. Oh, well, Angel of Greenwood is everywhere. Um, it's, of course, at the big places, um, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. But if you have a local, you know, local indie, go by there and... Um, in, in Birmingham, I think it's Thank You Books, Little Professor. Um, yeah, pick pick it up from an indie if you can. As far as where you can follow me, I'm pretty much on Instagram, Randy underscore pink. Um, Twitter, Randy underscore pink. Um, not great at either. I'm good at writing books. <laughs> Expect very little from me online. <laughs> But uh, and also you can contact me through my website or my agency, which is listed on my website. Sounds good. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. This was wonderful. Y'all, thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this episode of My Black Book Journal. Really quickly before we go, want to let you know that I will link to Angel of Greenwood in our show notes, but I will also link to Randy's social media account so you all can follow her work. Please check her out. Big shout out to Randy Pink for uh, being willing to come on My Black Book Journal as our guest. 
Also, you all, throughout the month of March, and I mentioned this in my interview with Randy, uh, we will be focusing on how reading brings us joy. So make sure that you follow us on Facebook or Instagram at My Black Book Journal. And I'll be just talking about how reading brings me joy. I also want to hear from you all about how reading brings you joy. And look out for this next episode. I'm going to do a part two of this and talk more about uh, Greenwood and the um, the Greenwood Massacre. So be on the lookout for that. I so enjoyed it. Thank y'all so much. Until next time, we're out.